This is The Guardian. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The Guardian has a new podcast, Pop Culture with Shante Joseph. Listen to a new episode every Thursday. Just search for Pop Culture with Shante Joseph wherever you get your podcasts. This week, we're talking about The Crown. Has it lost its way? It has turned out to be an Annus Horribilis. Yes, you're right. It does seem to have had better days. It's fictional, but it's loosely based on the truth. Expect some spoilers. You're listening to Pop Culture with me, Shantae Joseph for The Guardian. Wow, The Crown has me in a choke hold. And if you don't know, The Crown is a fictionalized series on Netflix all about Queen Elizabeth II and the events that shaped her life. Now, I personally do not care about the monarchy. It doesn't make sense to me at all. But I will sit down with a glass of wine and planting crisps and devour that entire series. And that just shows you how popular it is. The Crown is now in its fifth season, which covers some of the events leading up to Princess Diana's death. And so it's no surprise that it's drawn attention and criticism like never before. So today I want to find out whether The Crown has become too sensationalist and detached from the historical facts. And if it has, does that even matter? Kate Abbott is The Guardian's TV editor. There is no better place to start with this entire series than the controversy. Firstly, they're going to recreate that infamous panorama interview of Diana, Princess of Wales, with Martin Bashir. Can you explain to people who don't know why this is such a controversial moment? First of all, I have to say it's not just one episode, but two whole episodes of the 10 of the new series are devoted to the panorama interview. So it's controversial for a number of reasons. Last May, in May 2021, a damning report was done that basically showed that Martin Bashir, who was the interviewer, um, had mocked up these fake bank statements to show to Diana's brother, Charles Spencer, and that kind of made him win over Diana. So Diana agreed to do it, but based on these fake bank statements, okay? But it's part of the reason that she agreed to do it. When the report 
came out last May, you know, revealing that it was a you know, total breach of guidelines and everything, a total breach of editorial. Prince William slammed the BBC for it. BBC employees lied and used fake documents to obtain the interview with my mother. Displayed woeful incompetence. Said that it was really deceitful and showed woeful incompetence. And were evasive in their reporting to the media and covered up what they knew from their internal investigation. And the BBC have since said that they would never air the interview again. So for the for Peter Morgan and Netflix to basically do two whole episodes where they recreate whole sections of the interview will get a lot of people riled up. That's really interesting because I think of that moment where William is talking about the fact that this is really kind of upsetting and all this stuff. How much of it is that BBC documentary? Is it that bad, the Panorama interview, that it did create all of these problems or were they kind of brewing anyway? Well, I mean, they were brewing for years. I mean, all the stuff like there were three of us in this marriage that so was a bit crowded. All the stuff about Camilla mm. is covered a lot in The Crown. Basically, it's 10 episodes about the breakdown of the marriage. The second big criticism of The Crown has come from actors. Dame Judi Dench has lashed out about the way that the royal family have been presented in The Crown. Could you maybe speak a bit more about what she said? She said, uh, it blurs the lines between historical accuracy and crude sensationalism. Viewers, especially in the US, it was kind of implied, might just take it as the wholesale truth. She's also said that some of the scenes in season five especially are incredibly wounding like there's one where prince charles says to his mum if the social services came to our house they would literally take you take all the kids away and take you off to jail if we were a ordinary family and social services came to visit they'd have thrown us into care and you into jail that's enough judy dench said it's cruelly unjust to the individuals and damaging to the institution but have there been any responses to these criticisms? Have people kind of washed them off or are they being upheld? I mean, all the actors are jumping to the defence of the show, of course, and Peter Morgan, its creator. Elizabeth Debicki, who plays Diana, has said it's, you know, she never thought for a second that she was making a documentary. Imelda Staunton, who's the new queen, said that Peter Morgan has massive affection for the royal family and he's, like, so emotionally involved with them. And, like, he's basically spent his entire career writing about the royal family and you know how much he loves them yeah he's always said that it's a love letter to the queen and the family and the institution and the system and that he's got enormous sympathy for king charles and so that's kind of all of the real world drama but let's get into the fictional drama so what did you make of season five you've watched it all you've had time to digest <laughs> it what is your hot take First of all, I must just say, I actually quite liked seasons one to four. This season... <laughs> however... However, this season seems so cartoonish. Mm. It seems so heavy-handed and like a parody. The first episode and the last episode are all about the royal yacht being decommissioned. So, like, should the royal yacht exist or not? And basically there's all these words thrown about, like, you know, she's, you know, too old, irrelevant, all these things. And it's literally like the most obvious metaphor for the Queen you've ever heard in your life. And they literally say, they actually speak in metaphors quite a lot of the time. So they talk about the royal yacht. They talk about there's a fire at Windsor in Annus Horribilis. And actually someone says in the script, this is the great metaphor for like how everything's falling apart. And you just think like, oh God, how can they, how can it be so blatant? Like, how, how can it be so... down so I much? Know. We get it. Yeah, exactly. 
exactly. So much of the dialogue has become basically like really amazing actors like Leslie Manville just saying like really tedious like historical facts. Some local history for you if you're interested. Of course. Queen Victoria held the first Gillies Ball in the... So it feels like incredibly negative with all the stuff about uh, Charles and Diana, but then they, like, throw in a really sycophantic episode. Like, there's an episode about the Prince's Trust, which is amazing, and Prince Charles did loads of work on it, and it's made, like, a billion pounds. But the way it's done, it just feels really... The whole thing feels like a slap in the face, and then there's this one thing that's like, oh, I love you, really, and then does, you know, a whole episode about the Prince's Trust, where literally um, at the end of the episode... Dominic West break dances with some of the young Stop people. It. Stop it. <laughs> it's I've amazing. I actually had enough already. I'm, I'm like three episodes in and I'm just like, where is this going? Do you feel like they're trying to do too much? Like, do you think they kind of made this aware of the fact that people are still alive and we're trying to tell stories, but we want it to be entertaining, but we don't want to be sensationalist. Like, do you think they're trying to balance too much? Yeah, I think legally there's quite a lot they can't say, which is why so much stuff just is incredibly dry. It just seemed like it really worked when it was kind of like sumptuous, like period drama. You didn't really, you never really thought about what they were saying behind closed doors in the coronation because you don't really care. But like this, there's so much like political motivation and stuff about stuff that still has huge repercussions today. Like literally it was yeah. just last year that, that that report was done about Panorama. Yeah. And was there a moment that made you like really cringe when you were watching this? Was there anything where, that you were like... This this season is bad, but this takes a biscuit. Uh, the whole thing about tampon gate oh, was a lot. So what was that whole moment? So who so who was even involved in tampon gate? Some random guy. He was basically he basically overheard he was on the radio waves, and he overheard kind of intimate conversation between Charles and Camilla, and then it ended up being kind of sexy chat about them. And he says, like, you know, I want to stay inside you always, like. Tampax. Oh I gosh. just feel like I was assaulted with that information. Yeah, like, I, know. I could have gone my we entire life without <laughs> ever knowing about that moment. Everything I've learned about that moment has been against my will. Yeah. I have not once ever investigated this stuff and now yeah. I know all of it and it's just distressed it's me wild, deeply. Isn't it? But it's like that this this season of The Crown has been really interesting because it's brought up a lot around kind of accuracy in fiction especially when you're uh, talking about like historical moments and I, I wonder why you kind of feel like this series has drawn up a lot of kind of discussion around how we present certain historical moments in in fiction it seems like such high drama to keep the high the drama that consistently high throughout like the benchmark that high yeah you 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 might end up thinking this could all have happened. Yeah. Which is why Netflix have actually had to do this, they don't call it a disclaimer, but this show description. These are all fictionalisation. Like, this is a fictionalisation. It is inspired by true events, but nothing happened here except the stuff that did happen. Thank you so much, Kate, for chatting with me. I'm really looking forward to watching the rest of this and, like, <laughs> watching it with your opinion in mind and being like, this is trashy, this is good. But, yeah, thank you so much. This has been such a good chat. <laughs> Thanks. I don't think I've put my search engine to more use than when I'm watching The Crown. Some of the stories are so insane that they just cannot be true. But according to Google, they are. 
The blurring of the line between what is and isn't true is what makes the crown so juicy. And so it almost feels like anything could be real. But sometimes you can see where it's literally shot for shot a recreation. Jason Okendaya is a writer, author, and one of my good friends. For me, one of the biggest things that shocked me, the IRA blowing up Lord Mountbatten. I had no idea that happened. And it, for me, it was just so shocking because when I think of the royals, I think of incredibly like protected people. I think of this like family, this institution that exists outside of, you know, the, the harms of reality. Jason, for you, like, are there any moments in The Crown where you were like, this cannot be real? And then you Googled it and you're like, this is actually true. One of the really interesting scenes from Theories 4 was the story of the man who actually like broke into, yeah. into Buckingham Palace and was literally sitting there in the Queen's bedroom. <laughs> just like, just like, having, like Airbnb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who are you? My name is Michael. Out, get out! I promise you, you have nothing to fear from me. There is an armed policeman outside this door. No, there isn't. The story behind the guy itself, it was very fictionalised. So it showed him to be this kind of like downtrodden man living in Thatcher's Britain and, mm. you know, incredibly depressed and beaten down by the working conditions and by unemployment and inflation and all the things that were going on at that time. And he decides, you know what, let me come and run up on this woman <laughs> Absolutely. and tell her what's going on with her people and what Thatcher's doing to her people. Writing letters, speaking to my MP, fat lot of good any of that did. Mirage of democracy. This is what I think people kind of miss with, you know, the interests that people might have in the crown or in the royal family. It's not about loving them or hating them. It's literally just about fascination. You went to a very early screening of The Crown. What was that like? When the lights turned on, what were the reactions like? What were people feeling about the series? So everyone was very positive, but also we're not in there and there's bare Netflix execs in the room. You're not going to be there like, well, that was trash. I felt like it was slower than usual, like the tone of it. And also the Queen, even though everyone was really hyped for Imelda Staunton to become the Queen, because everyone thought, you know, from the beginning, it was like, okay, she's who should be for season five and six. And seeing it come true was like, okay, yeah, this is brilliant casting. But she's just a less interesting figure. And the reason yeah. why I think that is, is because in the early seasons, she's this figure who is kind of like adjusting to be a monarch and really anxious about her duty and taking on all of these customs. And in that way, she's more relatable to the audiences of people who are like coming of age trying to find their place in the world. But by the time you get to season five, six, she's an established monarch and she's probably less true to the queen that you've seen in The Crown so far, but more mm. true to the queen in reality. Do we not love gossip and do we not love drama? Exactly. This is our bag. The crown goes off for us. Exactly. So. Let's take a hot sec and when we come back, we'll take a look at whether or not it's okay for fact and fiction to get murky. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. 
Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey again, friends. A lot of the criticism of The Crown is directed at the series writer Peter Morgan. So I wanted to speak to someone who has written historical dramas about how they decide when to sex up history. Michael Hurst is a screenwriter and producer. He's best known for the film Elizabeth starring Kate Blanchett, The Vikings and Emmy award-winning series The Tudors. Michael, how are you doing? Thank you so much for chatting with me. That's a pleasure. I have to start by asking, what do you think about The Crown as a series? I think it's a, a highly entertaining, very well made, very well acted mm. production particularly when, from my point of view, it was set further away in the past, when it's genuinely interesting to find out things perhaps you didn't know. I, and I just think from what I've read and, and what has been said about the new season, that it's far more problematic mm. when, as it were, the dramatist goes upstream to the point when history meets modern life. Yeah, That brings into play lots of different issues I mean, it's fascinating. And on the one hand, and of course, Netflix are rubbing their hands. I mean, it couldn't be better publicity for them. And as I've discovered in my career, there's no such thing as bad publicity. So it doesn't matter what if people slag it off or not. It just makes more people want to watch it. That's a good thing from the production's point of view. So I guess it would be interesting to know, what is it about the Tudors that made people so into period drama? I think that the Tudors did open the door to refreshed historically based material because what I was asked to do was to connect the Tudor period to contemporary world and contemporary issues. So to make people realize that historical people were actually human and in many cases have the same uh, feelings, sensibilities, and more or less same issues as we, as we have. So that was taking historically based drama away from the old BBC costume drama. Costume dramas always showed people as if they were really weird, you know. <laughs> and I think the Tudors made it possible for people to take any period of time and connect it. So could you maybe talk a bit about your creative process then? How do you start when you're looking at a new period in history? All my work begins in research. And I love the immersion into different periods and I listen to the music. And out of that research, storylines and characters and themes start to emerge. And I also have a historical advisor. When I write, I'm looking for plausibility. I'm looking for authenticity. I'm not looking for historical accuracy because I don't think it exists. I believe that my work is as authentic for a drama as you could hope. That uh, would be. However, just to say that I was still attacked by various historians, famously attacked for inventing things and that it was not historically accurate. The thing is that it's like saying we don't think it's accurate, therefore it's bad drama. But that's that's a ridiculous thing to say. Drama is different from documentary. It's interesting that you kind of bring that up because Season five of The Crown has been played with these issues around kind of 
historical accuracy, right? As we get closer and closer to present day, there's been a huge discussion around this balance between fact and fiction within historical dramas. And it's, it'd be interesting to know kind of how you feel about that. I know that the writer has said that people know, understand that it's just fiction. However, I have some problems and issues now with it when it's got to the place where many of us can remember the events that are now being dramatized. And I've always been a little wary of coming too far upstream to a place where history meets real life. It's often easier with the gift of hindsight to make more sense of the past, why people did what they did, what really motivated them, and what the consequences of their actions were. The Crown has moved almost imperceptibly from being a show about history into a show about events in common memory. That's very different and it's very problematic. My own feeling is that The Crown is not history anymore, but dramatic journalism. Okay. And in that context, the dramatist is forced to show his hand. You start writing about Princess Diana and immediately it's personal, it's political, it's a judgment about a royal family. And, and I think dramatic journalism is the way of presenting it because I don't think that the writer has special insights. I don't think he knows any more. I mean, he may have had some sources that have told him things, but it's mainly tabloid stuff that he's put on the TV now. I think the argument is that people believe that because of the way The Crown is presented, other people will take it as fact, even though yes. we all yes. know that it's not 100% fact. So do you think that, you know, writers and directors have a responsibility to not embellish certain historical events because people can be gullible? Like, is it really on them or is it on the well, it's not viewer? even it's, it's not even because people are gullible. It's because drama can be very powerful and very persuasive. When I wrote things about the Vikings and what the Vikings did, a lot of people said, oh, my God, that could never have happened. You know, they could never have dragged their boats over mountains or they could, you know, whatever. They couldn't have sailed to America, whatever it was that I said they did. And then they Google it and they go, oh, my God, it's true. You know, and that's from a writer's point of view, that's deeply satisfying because you are hugely responsible for the story you're telling. And it has to be within certain limitations. It has to be as authentic as you can make it. But do you think that, because when it comes to the royal family, to me anyway, they still seem quite ambiguous. I feel quite distant from the royal family. Most of what I know about the royal family, I have come to know through shows like The Crown. So in some ways, I don't feel too, like, I don't feel like there's that much of an issue when it comes to telling the, the story or the history of, of the royal family, because it does just feel like this huge archaic institution that is so far removed from my life that it might as well be fantasy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes, I do. And I understand what you're saying. But of course, this plays into the idea that the royal family has deliberately made itself aloof. And it worked because a lot of other royal families in the world collapsed. Too much publicity, too many scandals. Mm. The royal family has been good up till Diana, I suppose, in yeah. hushing everything up. You know, even though there were innumerable scandals, but they've hushed them up. Diana bust that open, I think, Probably. King Charles will be the last monarch, I imagine. I think they're going to become now so unpopular. 
Um, it was the Queen who actually held everyone's loyalty and and engagement and empathy. But I, you know, I, I do come back to this very important point that dramas that really deeply work are dramas in which you empathise with and connect with some of the central characters. Yeah, and I think The Crown's done a, a good job of, I guess, making this most recent series about Diana because she is someone who is, like, universally loved and I think they tap into that really well but that's dangerous that's dangerous do you know but, but why everyone loves Diana yes exactly exactly some of the uh, politicians who were involved uh, at the time with the royal family with Diana with the queen they have come out and said and they were having meetings with the queen they were involved in this whole thing and they just said you know the way it's been portrayed is rubbish I mean it just didn't happen the writer is is perfectly within his or her rights to exercise imagination and write the story in the way they see it. But f- to be totally contradicted by people who were there at the time when you write a piece of drama, you said this happened essentially, you know, uh, and people said no, that never happened. I mean, that's that's difficult. That's problematic. And it's, it's tough, I guess, because as an, as an audience, you can only reckon with what you're kind of presented with. Sure. And when you do yeah. think about the distrust people have, like, both of the monarchy and of politicians, I think it's sometimes easier to believe the worst. Well, thank you so much for chatting to me. Thank you very much. That's been great fun. Thank you. Trying to think about this from the perspective of the monarchy If there was something in my life being turned into a fictional drama and it presented some of my worst moments in inaccurate ways, yeah, I would be upset and I get it. But I struggle to care because it's the monarchy and they've historically made themselves very removed, very ambiguous. And so I think where we lack truth about them, speculation occurs and people like the drama. I like the drama. So I'm going to watch The Crown and I'm going to enjoy it guilt-free. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. And if you did, then please subscribe and leave me a review. This week's episode was produced by Princess of Putney, Hattie Moya, sound design by Spanish King, Mao Lissetto, original music by Ivorian King, Axel Kakutie. The executive producer is Persian Princess Maz Ebtahaj. Stay regal queens, I will see you next Thursday. That was Pop Culture with Shantae Joseph. New episodes every Thursday. Search for Pop Culture with Shante Joseph wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.